I've seen and heard things on this podcast that you wouldn't believe. Things no photographer should ever experience. It's a fool's errand. Listeners beware. This is not like other podcasts. They say they're photographers, but they're drunk. I've heard it with my own ears. Welcome to the podcast that is guaranteed to improve not only your photography, but your mind, body, and spirit as well. Full of interviews with the top image makers in the industry, where we talk photography, drink whiskey, and fill up the bathtub with high life and PBR. So grab a juice box, a handful of unsalted almonds, and get ready for the show. Same. It's going to be a thing. This is just got real from Jump Street. Yeah. I. All right. So our guest today is Johnny Edwards. The Johnny Edwards. And we've hello, waited until the last day hello. to do his podcast. He's been a co-host this Several week. times, yeah. He comes in and out. Like David it's, sometimes has meetings he's got to go to and he no. can't make it as a co-host and then comes back. But now we're going to get into your story. Oh, shit. Where should, should we start with your story? There's so much to it. I think, oh, that's that's a good question. Um, I think for me, photography probably the best place to start is is how I picked up a camera, and uh, With your you hands. Know. <laughs> is it is it normally picked up a different way? <laughs> how else do you pick it up? Negative space. No, that's fine. Yes, yes, with my hands. Um, but I had a uh, I had a very weird, challenging childhood. And so from a young age, I picked up a camera because it was a means for me to um, archive people, places, and things. And I was always losing those things. So it was a way for me to hold those things close to me. And so from a very young age, um, I, I think even unknowingly, subconsciously, to some extent, I developed a very strong relationship with photography as a means to um, create some control over my world and, you know, hold on to things that were important to me. And I, I'm indebted to it in that way. So where were you living at this stage in your life? And so at this stage of my life, I was literally living all over the place. I mean, you know, I don't know legally how much I'm allowed to talk about my life, but... um, uh, Wait, what does that mean? Right, like, okay. Legally, how so, much... What do you mean? Are you, all right, right, are you, are you in the witness protection program? Or? We're, we're going we're gonna to do this. Um, so when I was really young... Um, I was taken out of a bad situation. Uh, my mom removed me from where I was living with my dad. And uh, he had custody of me, and he was not a good man. I mean, in the community, he was a good man, but he really wasn't a good man. He was a drinker. He was a drugger. He was an abuser. And uh, she knew that, and so she wanted to protect me. So we literally went, I mean, very much so on the lam. And I operated under a different guise, like as a human being, like I used a different name, I used a different birthday, I used all of those things. And so there was always this, this dualistic. Why a different birth date? I, I don't know. I don't know. Like I get the name thing, but what is changing your birthday do? I mean, I want it to be a Scorpio. <laughs> Except <laughs> either make you younger or when, when, when you When you just change the numbers, oh, a new sign is, is a sign too. Yeah, you know? yeah like, let's oh, be honest. Yeah. I want, I want to be a Scorpio now. Yeah. Did, you, <laughs> did you adopt like a new... I don't know, horoscope? Like, did you become yeah. like a different type of... I did, saying. yeah. My, 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 my rising sign changed. It was yeah. a big thing. Yeah. The stars yeah. realigned for Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was seven, and I re-evaluated myself <laughs> in right. my place, planetarily speaking. Um, but yeah, so I think, you know, it was one of those things where I was always all over the place, and I never really was myself. And we moved from place to place so quickly. Are we talking Midwest? Out east. Uh, literally all over the place. I mean, from, from, from Iowa up to the Pacific Northwest, up to the East Coast, down to Miami. We were just on the move. And how old are you at this time? I was time? constantly like seven, eight years old. Okay. You know, so, uh, you know, me picking up a Polaroid camera and taking photos was a means for me to hang on to these, once again, people, places, and things. You know, it's like I, I did not have any stability. And so for me, photography... And that camera provided stability that was grounding that allowed me to be okay. Do you still have a lot of those photos? I do, actually, yeah. How did you organize them back then? How did you carry them with you? Because you're taking a lot of them. Like trading cards? Did you, yeah, did you have them? 
They were haphazard. I mean, come on, both of you know me. It was haphazard. Yeah. They were they were all in a they were, they were all in a satchel bag. just thrown yeah. out there. A really yeah. nice leather satchel just all in there. It played well with my hazel eyes. It had yeah, it was a thing. It. There was straps. It was really nice looking. It was from Holdfast. It was from Holdfast. Official photographers carry their cameras on leather straps. Everyone's about Holdfast. Double strap. I don't know what Holdfast is. Was That's that the leather. straps that was on your jeans last night? <laughs> no. No, it's the camera straps. I, was taking I, I, I had straps on my jeans, everyone. Yes, it's true. Back to That's John. True. All right. So yeah. when did you start getting into it? professionally what, what when did you start getting paid so i i have kind of a weird thing i studied biochemistry in college so i'm kind of anomalous in that i was planning on going into medicine it didn't happen um i wrestled i played football i was a multi-sport athlete in high school and in college and uh you I, go to college? uh rollins Okay. Yeah, so it's a small private university in Florida. So what did you play in, in college? What were uh, your sports? What I was a, I, I wrestled and I was on the rowing team actually. Crew, crew, crew. Yeah. Crew. Crew. crew, all like all four years. It was two live. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Bra, bra, you I don't see even what know. You did there. So it was a crazy thing. Um, but yeah, I was planning on going into medicine and it didn't happen. But you know, I owned a gym when I came out of college. And I did prehab and rehab with athletes, um, you know, mainly extreme so you athletes. you somehow started a gym when you were in college, so yeah. when you graduated. How, how did that work? I mean, it was just, I, I ran into a person who thought I was charismatic and they were selling a gym. That happens a lot with you. It does. I've noticed over the last few days. It does. Well, that's because he engages with everyone. Right? Like, literally. Everyone. He stops people, like, for you guys have never hung out with John. He stops people, like, every five seconds to be like, yeah. oh, that's an amazing piece that you're wearing right now. And I swear... You're not getting it on the podcast, but voices change. Like he takes on this different persona based yeah. on the individual to be oh, like, yeah. oh, this is just, this is all working to, <laughs> yeah. to like, basically yeah. like, hey, and I think those can, shoes. You can instantly amazing. read someone and give back uh, what they a representation want. of what you think they want. And 99% yeah. yeah. of the time it's spot the fuck off. Yeah. Wow. They, they just, like, read, they really just come read. to him. Yeah. Well, maybe it's because he himself has lived so many lives within I a life. So. Yeah, I think he's, so. He's been adopting personas for so long that now he just knows how to adopt others. Exactly, we evolved. What was that? What was yeah. that movie I mean, with like done. Angelina Jolie? <laughs> <It does. laughs> the yeah, serial does. killer like yeah. just takes over each person's life. Like, oh, hey, maybe we need to be worried right now. Let's not talk about my freezer. Oh, so do you celebrate both your birthdays? No, I don't. No, just one of them. The just real one. one or the, the real one? one. Yeah, okay. but I think about it. I, I actually do. I, th I I think about that other. Birthday, I think about the the person that I was, you know, for that period of time, and it's it's strange. And I think I try and bring that. Everything that I do with my photography is about recognizing and empowering whomever is in front of my lens. And I think um, kind of being unseen and unknown as a child is is a big catalyst for me to do that. Really. So when someone sits in front of me, I'm like, "Who are you?" Yeah. And I want to know them, and I, I, and, and that's an honor for me to know them. And I think that it's, um, it's a powerful thing to sure. see someone and to hear someone. It's a big deal. So how long did? All right, let's go back to the gym. You're out of college. You yeah. Somehow have a gym all yeah. of a sudden. That's a gym. The gym. It was fun. Uh, it was small. It wasn't big. How long did that go? I mean, I did that for probably four years or so. Uh, I got into digital marketing, so I did you know SEO work and that type of thing. I was a consultant. Uh, business to business consultant um, for a digital marketing strategy like organic growth and all that type of thing. But um, you know, it was funny. I I, I came back. I, I I actually was at my house, and I uh, you know it's funny because I have a drink right here. But um, one of my friends saw me, and he's like, "Hey, man," he's like, "You're making all of this money, and you're doing this thing, and like by all social standards, you're very successful, but you are so unhappy." He's like, "I see it." And I felt it, and I would go home, and I'd pour myself, you know, five fingers of bourbon, and just, five. I mean, you know, five very thick fingers of yeah, bourbon. Yeah. And it was a thing, and he, this, this, you know, I, I was gifted a camera, and they were like, get back to what you love, and they knew I was an artist, and I picked up the camera, and it was a very weird point for me because I reconnected with a part of myself um, that I think. I had suppressed or forgotten and it was profound to get behind the camera because it felt protective in a way but at the same time I felt like I could be who I was um, in a very true sense which is a big deal to me 
for me. Um, and, and it just kind of carried on from there. And so I did the return to photography, bring the tattoos and piercings and things, or were you doing that before? That was before. Yeah. Um, so funny thing, like when, when I was growing up, um, my dad was in, you know, a couple of biker gangs and things like that. So there were hell's angels at our house and all of these things. And I, I looked at these gentlemen and they were, they were larger than life. Right. You know, it was these guys who were covered head to toe in tattoos and they were on these red bikes and they were drinking whiskey. And I, there was something about that to me that, that felt so um, intriguing. And so literally I had temporary tattoos, you know, from my wrist up to my neck when I was a kid, that's what I did. So it was, it was almost faded in a way, I think, yeah. you know, and uh, much to my mother's chagrin, if she listens to this, we have a deal now where so long as she can put a uh, hoodie on me, and I know no one can see me doing this right now, but I'm doing it anyway, but like around my eyebrows and face, she's like, if I can see my little boy, yeah. it was like that <laughs> then it's fine. Ace Ventura, yes, exactly. Coming yeah, anus, coming out of the rhino anus, yes. Yeah, that's what he, he My mother doing. wants me to look presentable coming, coming out, of, out the of the anus. Coming out of the rhino anus. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, you know, that's what every mother wants for her son. Out of a canis. Yeah, out of a canis. <laughs> a rainus. <laughs> All right, so once you found or refound your kind of passion and love for photography, when did it start becoming like an actual business where you could live off of it? Well, you know, I, I think I fell into it. Um, you know, it was never a plan for it to be that type of thing. And I started with portraiture. So people said, hey, you, you connect. I mean, like we talked about, you connect with people very easily. Get them in front of your camera. And, you know, I had people sit for me. I had subjects sit for me. And it was um, a very powerful experience for me. I, I felt like I was able to tell their story. And while I was telling their story, I was telling my own story. And so I internalized that and it was a, it was a really big thing. And, you know, someone came up to me and they're like, Hey, you're great at fashion. You know, you're a fashionable guy. You like lines, you like colors. You should try shooting fashion. And I did that. And it was purely for I mean, experimental purposes, I guess. And, uh, you know, I, I started working with teams. So there were makeup artists and hairstylists and creative directors and wardrobe stylists and, and models. And it was all of these people coming together toward one singular vision. And the one thing that I did not have growing up was um, community, was family. And so in, in fashion, I found family. Um, you know, for all of these people who had this this similar drive, who wanted to create because it's it was everything to them. And I felt so inspired and emboldened by that. And it just became a thing. And then people started paying me for it. So it was it was not an intentional effort. Um, it was just something that was very meaningful to me that um, I'm grateful to say was able to turn into a way for me to, you know, pay my bills. Yeah. So what are your goals now in terms of like, what is your stretch yeah, goal? Where's, where's, like, where's Johnny headed? I What's mean, your trajectory? One, of, one of my biggest things now, I think, is um, trying to empower other creatives. You know, I think inherently artists, um, we do something very special for the world. Um, you know, I was in Denver and there was a piece of street art, and this was years ago. And it was very minimalist, but it said, creation is the only thing louder than destruction. And that hit me in a so way that's- like love is more powerful than hate. Exactly, yeah, and it's true. And, and it, we, we live in a destructive world. We live in a hateful world, inherently. And so, you know, for me, being able to empower other creatives to share their vision, to share their voice, has become an integral part of who I am as a man and as a person. And so I, I want to continue to create. I mean, I have all these goals, you know, Vogue Spain, Vogue Italia, all the Vogues. Vogue, if you're listening. Vogue. Johnny's coming for you. It's a thing. But, like, I being able to help other creatives be um, authentic and giving them the tools to express themselves in a way that is genuine to them has become a driving force in who I am and what I do. So, um, you know, I don't know. If I'm if I'm putting it out there, I would I would love for Pro Edu to consider me for uh, you know some sort of thing down the road. That'd consider be great. it done. I'd consider it done. All right, I, I appreciate that. Mm. Yeah. All right. Two weeks. You heard it here first. We'll have it planned pretty much in two weeks. Yeah. Done. I yeah. feel good. Yeah, it's so great. Is, by the time this comes out, it'll be fresh news. Yeah, we. Yeah, it'll be coming out, and we, we might already be in pre-production. Hey, or it'll be the first or in podcast production. I actually edit. And yeah. cut something out of. <laughs> Stay. And instead of this being the last day of WPPI, <laughs> we'll 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 just 
mix in. Welcome to WPPI with Johnny Edward. And this is how he became our co-host, is that we sat down and we talked to him, air quote, first. Yes. Air quote. But you guys yes. won't hear that because it's not here anymore. It's not here. No, it's not here. Everything still is here. This is ephemeral. unedited, unabridged. Ephemeral. We're moving through it. Johnny, what is your average day like? What hap- Like, what time do you wake up? <laughs> And what are you like wearing? Have you been with him for the last three days? <laughs> Every day. So when when when, when when I'm in Vegas in WPPI and I'm with you know an an ex soldier who is a, a brilliant maniac, I get up at you know seven a.m. and get dressed because I feel like I have to. But I think I think my average day it, it varies. Uh, you know I procrastinate. That's definitely a weakness for me. So um, mornings are tough and that I wake up and I look at everything that I haven't done the day before. And then I try and reconcile what I can do to try and take that off my shoulders. So that's a thing for me. Um, and I think that's an artist thing in a way. And that's probably me enabling myself to do be you, a procrastinator. Do you write things down? Do I do. Digital? Yeah, yeah. I, I have so many lists, all yeah. of the to-do stuff. And it's a big deal for me, like literally to can be able to check something on the list. Can you keep your list straight? Or do you always have like a new list starting? No, there's, there's my, my lists are good. Right. Like one, it, it, I'm not organized, but when I choose to do that, um, I think I'm, uh, I, I, I play by the rules because it's a big deal for do me. Do you put a check mark next to things? I do. Or do you cross them the fuck out? Oh, no, I you gotta, you gotta go through it. Yeah, right. yeah. I want the line through it. I want to hear the little notification that says you fucking did this. <laughs> it's a big deal for me. Oh, do you, so, do you do it electronically or do you write it down? I I do both, okay. honestly. Um, Is the you know, same list in both formats, written and digital? Very similarly. You know, yeah. there's, there's these gotta, apps where you can just get like Evernote it. or something, and it will do them both for you. And I, and I you know, I have Evernote, but what I found <laughs> is for me, the the actual physical act of writing something down and crossing it off is a big deal. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, then you don't have to re-enter yeah, it because you wrote it down. I do that with journaling. You know, I, I hate writing. I went to a Catholic school. That's a little side note for a long time, and I'm left-handed. And uh, not anymore. I mean, exactly. So I would get beat with a ruler because the left-handed path was the evil path. I mean, I went to a very traditional Orthodox Catholic school. I mean, I hate writing. But what I found is for me to write whatever so it is. So they tried to beat it out of you? Like they did. The, oh, yeah. You're not left-handed? There's literally. No such thing. Literally. So now my handwriting is very sociopathic. And, uh, you know, I'm going to say this here on Pro-EDU, and I'm going to get sued for it. It's fine. I blame that on the Catholic Church. <laughs> yeah. No, you can. Yeah. You can say anything about them right now. Yeah. They have no place. Oh, that's a good judge. point. Yeah. No place. True. But... Um, you know, I, I I think it's a hard thing for creatives to get um, organized. You know, yeah. it's 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 challenging. I think being yeah. an artist is is free flowing, right? Like you do these things and you want to create, and there's spontaneity and all of these things. And so, how do you take that, the logistical side of it? And that was the biggest thing for me. I mean, talking about getting into photography, like becoming a business person um, for my art, has always felt disingenuous and that's something that I like to speak about like uh, you know how do you how do you maintain your integrity as an artist while also paying your bills as an artist and that's a it's 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 a challenging line to walk it really is how do you approach social media every day are you using it as a way to like escape your to-do list or do you are you doing it with intention to grow your brand i think i'm doing it with intention and it's it's not necessarily to grow my brand you know i've done that um as a consultant in the past um you know as far as managing other people's brands and i put a lot of positive stuff out there you know if anyone's listening to me uh who is on my feed on instagram or these other places like i put a lot of positivity into the world and really that's a self-check so I use social media as a means to be aware of myself and to try and, you know, speak to the world the things that I want to say to myself. So if I put a post out there and it's like, hey, you're beautiful and you're magical and you're talented and you got this, like I am absolutely saying that to all of you, but I'm also saying that to me. And so I use it as a means to um, create some dialogue with myself that's positive and that's healthy and that's empowering. And that's, that's a big deal for me. So you're, so you're, you're not only a user, you're the, you're the, or you're not only the president, you're a user. I'm yeah. A care club for men. Care club for men, which did not work for me. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. 
you guys haven't seen Johnny, you need to get on his feed right now. <laughs> check out this stylish gentleman. All right, so back to this day that you're going through. So you're, you're checking off your to-do list. Where are you? you at home? you in a studio? you in the so, car? Are you taking walks? I am, I am a co-owner of a studio in Denver, um, but I don't work out of that studio in terms of editing. So like all of my business, my editing, my retouching, I do that out of my apartment. Um, and I have an apartment in a really nice part of Denver across from a park. So it's it's me sitting there kind of trying to hammer it out. And to be honest, I get overwhelmed very easily. I do, especially, you know, with, with this whole artist bit. So I wake up and I think uh, I look at my to-do list and I get kind of um, lambasted by it. And I take a breath and I drink some coffee and I smoke a cigarette and, you know, do whatever else I do which we won't talk about for legal reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the legal. All right. So we're in your room. Yes. And yet we keep talking about it. There's a retouching station. Yeah. Can you do something for me? Can you in detail, just like if you got to close your eyes and get there in detail, describe the desk. And I'm talking about everything that's on it, the colors, the textures, yeah, just done. like give me, Paint me a picture right now. So uh, on, the, on the left-hand side of the desk, there is a, a, a Dell computer, laptop. I'm a PC guy because I love to game. So I know everyone out there right now is like, oh, you're not doing Mac? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> when you can make a good gaming machine, Mac, listen to me, then I will switch over to you. So until then, I'm done. But there's the Mac, and then I have a BenQ monitor. You just said, and there's the Mac. <laughs> and there's the PC. So there's a Mac or a PC on there? I don't know. I'm confused now. Now there's a PC. Yeah. Right. There's, uh, there, PC there's, there. there's some sort of device. There's a wannabe Mac on that, the that, left-hand that can side. That can translate analog signals. Okay. It's on the left-hand side. Digital signals and all the signals. Yes. So there's a computer on the left-hand side. And then I have a BenQ monitor. I have a Wacom tablet. And everything's black. So this is literally black on black on black. Right? And it's metal because, you know, I listen to metal when I edit. And I grew up right. in that scene. I grew up in the, the metal and the punk scene. And side note, I used to be a singer. I used to be a drummer. Um, very, very full life. Yeah. So the the desk is black too. Everything's black. Wood. Lit, yes, faux wood. Faux it's wood. like IKEA. It's IKEA. Yeah. 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 So it's you know millimeter. Yeah. Millimeter wood. Yeah. There's yeah. a grain. It's not wood grain, but there's a grain nonetheless. A molded grain, we like to call it. I like that molded grain. That's a good PR word. Yeah. Um, monitors there, and you know, I I I keep things that are important to me. So, um, Cheryl Walsh was on a previous episode here and she talked about printing and that struck me in a really profound way. And so literally I have probably 10 prints that are on my walls surrounding me at all times. And it's aluminum and it's acrylic and it's canvas and it's animal paper. It's all of these things. And so I'm surrounded by my art and by pieces that inspire me. And I think that's a really big deal um, to, you know, put your work out there for yourself more than more than anyone else. So, I mean, outside of the whole desk, all the black on black on black, it's funny because I have this whole metal kind of vibe going. And then I look up and I'm like, wow, there's this, you know, beautiful woman that I photographed at um, a conference and she's there and it's, it's stunning and it keeps me going really. What's under the desk? What's on the ground? Uh, tons of shit. Like what? Just so much, you know, like power cables and, and mail that I haven't opened. And so your cable, my cat. Your cable management needs work. Let's put it on I, the yeah, to-do list. Yes, right. yes. Get those I, cables I, off the I ground. I definitely, my, my, my cordage is uh, convoluted. I have convoluted cordage. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what kind of chair are you in? What's this uh, thing look like? Where'd it come a, from? It's a Herman Miller. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, you know, I, uh, I love fashion, of course. That's what I do. And I also love interior design. And I think it's important. Like I think um, what we put into our workspaces really defines how we feel when we are working in those spaces. So I mean, outside of the whole IKEA thing that I just talked about, like the chair that I sit in, literally, I spend so much time sitting that it puts my hips in a good position, it puts my shoulders in a good position, and it's self-care. So you know, I spent money on this chair, and it was a lot of money, but it is an amazing chair, and I can leave my workspace after four hours and still feel good, which I couldn't do before. So I think that's so critical, and I think it so, is. so many people don't think about yeah. you know, in our line of work, like yeah. I mean, I'm guilty of it. I I uh, have a standing, like I have a transitional desk, and but like I oftentimes will raise it up and then randomly grab a stool that I have nearby for like sitting, like a person sitting on when you're shooting them. 
and I'll just like sit on it forever and then like realize that you're all hunched over and like you've been putting all this strain on your body and you're sitting on this hard surface that's really, you know, not supportive. And I think a lot of people don't really give thought into kind of the, the holistic health of, of, uh, your body as well. I agree. And I think, you know, self-care is so important for us as artists and we diminish what we're doing, but physically speaking, I mean, having owned a gym, doing prehab and rehab, you know, we're, we're on our feet and we're, we're in positions that are very, um, unhealthy. Most of the time, your shoulders are up, you're rolled forward, you're doing all of this stuff. Yeah. And that's, we're, we're talking about longevity, literally, you know, I mean, once again, if you don't know me, you don't know this, but I have a lot of tattoos and tattoo artists are the same way. You know, we have all of these professions, these artists and, and people literally lose the ability to create because their bodies break down. And part of that is entropy because that's life. But a bigger part of that is people not properly taking care of themselves. So like all of you out there right now, take the time, buy a good chair, buy a Herman Miller and, you know, find out how to keep healthy and happy because it's important. That's, that's, that's how you keep going. Is there a huge like treasure map hidden in the tattoos? Like, is there like something like if, if or, you or are you part of the Illuminati and there's some other like, secret message? Yeah, in all I there? feel like if he were to ever die, then there would be like this will presented and like, be like, carve me up guys. It's actually a fucking treasure map. <laughs> and together <laughs> you guys are going to you know, skin me first and then I've got this story. I've been planting and hiding things can all over the world. Now or, find can, can I gift my pelt to pro edu? Can that happen? Can yeah. I do that right now legally? Could, I, don't, I mean, yeah. I, I don't, I'm not a lawyer, but I feel like you're sure. smart enough. No, we, yeah, we, yeah. we got it laid down. Yeah. That'd be awesome though. Figure it out how to like done. Yeah, stretch instead, it out on YouTube. Instead of, instead of making a lamp shade. There's gotta be a, a DYI. Yeah. yeah. Skinning a human and putting them on. Yeah, this took a turn. It's fine. Yeah, this 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 went a little weather face. It's gonna be like the Hard Rock Cafe with, uh, you know, here's our memorabilia of, and and we just have Johnny's skin. Yeah, question mark. You know, I think I think in a way, (laughs) the hell are we talking about? (laughs) I don't know. I got crazy. I got real crazy. I think in a way there is a treasure map, um, and that my tattoos represent pieces of myself. Uh, that, that I didn't want to forget. And it's funny because I have a lot of people come up to me and, and these gentlemen know it, but I'm always wearing a hat. And part of the reason I wear a hat is because I, my whole head's tattooed. And if I don't wear a hat, literally everywhere I go, people will stop to talk to me about my tattoos. I could be you know, buying avocados to make guacamole. And someone comes up and they're like, hey, bro, what's, what's going on with the tattoos? Or it's, <laughs> a, or it's a 65-year-old woman who just starts touching my head randomly. Like yeah, these yeah. things happen. Um, but all of this, like people talk to me and they're like, well, you know, I can't commit to getting a tattoo because I don't know how I'll feel about it. And my tattoos represent um, parts of myself, very much like photography. Like I wanna say people, places, and things again, and it's true. You know, I've been to Thailand, I've been to Bali, I've been to Japan, and all of those places influenced me heavily. And that's integrated into the imagery that I'm adorned with. And so, uh, you know, I I, I carry those things with me. So I, you know, in, in, in the most cliche sense, I think that it is a treasure map and I think that it really speaks to who I am and, uh, I'm trying to treasure myself and it okay. definitely doesn't hurt when you're walking the WPPI trade floor and like every other person is like, Oh, can I photograph you real quick? There is that as well. Yeah. yeah. You've, you've had your soul sucked a lot this weekend. Uh, there's been a lot the of camera. soul sucking. Yeah. Pro EDU in the penthouse. <laughs> What you guys do last night when I went to bed? What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't oh, want to talk about you it. You don't want to talk about no. it. No. Oh, yeah. Things got a little late last night. It happened. Yeah. There was a night. We there stayed was, out late. There was some 3 I'm good, pizza. though. I feel I'm good feel, now, I'm feeling too. really yeah. good. I feel real well, too. Yeah, I think we hydrated. David had a lot of hydration yesterday. Mm-hmm. But he had a leg up on us on the hydration. I, I will speak to <laughs> Yeah, if you guys don't know, in Vegas, apparently you can just order up a uh, IV. IV service to come to your hotel room and yeah. hook you up. It was it was amazing. David crushed it. But I will say, outside of David crushing things, um, I think that this is important. I think WPPI is important. I think conferences are important. I think us getting together as creatives and artists is an important thing. You know, because we put down these barriers and we all do have these personas and we get together and like literally I've loved my time here with the pro EDU team and I feel very fortunate to be here and it's been amazing. And so, you know, if you haven't been to one of these conferences, whether it's PPE, yes, 
WPPI, any of these things like Go. Because it's, it's, you know, it's not about what you're going to learn. It's not about what you're going to buy. It's literally about connecting with fellow artists and creatives in that community. And us, I mean, building each other up. And, and that happens just by being present, right. I think. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's organic in that way. I mean, it, it's definitely been a, a real, I mean, I, I think, uh, I think there's some people who think that, you know, you just come to the conferences to either look at the newest gear or, or to take a master's class or something. Yeah. But I, I agree. I think the... I think the true beauty of these things is in the networking and, um, you know, in the conversations and just the ability to kind of check in with people and, and get their feedback, their, their real, their real feedback. Cause as yeah. we've talked about often, uh, you know, our online personas are like, Oh, that's beautiful. And that's all we really want to say because we don't want to critique somebody's work, but face to face, we're getting this real, like, yeah. you know, I admire this about you or, you need some work here, champ. Like yeah. those both have been going down a lot this weekend. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's a great thing. Yeah. This weekend, I keep so, saying weekend. It's the yeah. middle of the week. Yeah. It doesn't I mean, mess. It feels like a weekend. Yeah, yeah. It feels like a really Once again, long Vegas, weekend. Hashtag Vegas. Forever Friday, right. Saturday. Basically. Um, yeah, right. so you know, there's well. a lot of ways to participate and a lot of podcasts, a lot of guests and a lot of our friends do the print competition. Yeah. Have you ever done one? Do you ever? You know, I haven't. And, and it's weird that I haven't because I love printing my work. Um, and I, I, I probably can't say why I have not. I think that there is, there is an aspect of art inherently that is vulnerable, right? We, we put ourselves out there. And so I hold what I create very close to cuff. And I'm not an expert at printing. I, I, I'm so driven by the idea of expertise. Yeah, you're I, not yet, but when this tutorial comes out. It very well, maybe, yeah, keep, keep tuned. Well, we're talking about the print tutorial, not yours. Yeah. <laughs> I love Cheryl. Cheryl Walsh. Um, yeah, she was a, she, you, you guys did not hear what Cheryl Walsh like dropped on Johnny after the podcast ended yesterday. But man, that was, I was, I was blown away. Like just, yeah. just to say that right now out loud in public to all of you, amazing people, um, you know, Cheryl complimented me and it's, it was, it was a big thing. It was profound. Yeah. Like it was, it what, was a deep compliment. What, what she shared with me was really big and it was validating. And I think, you know, going back to social media, um, there's this tendency for like likes and engagement, all of this, we look at the analytics, but the reality for me is that, you know, it was, it was a ways back, but Dan Winters commented on one of my photos and I love Dan Winters. Who doesn't? Yeah. His work is spectacular. And I would take that one comment over literally a million other comments from people who are not artists. And so to hear Cheryl Walsh in this place give me a compliment, right. it emboldened me. Well, I, and, and I think like, I, I mean, real, like, let's, let's bring it back around to the print competition. I think, um, you know, as I was listening to her talk to you, as I was listening to her talk to us, like, you know, like I, I've never really printed any of my stuff. And, and I, and I think like now I, I might change my mind, you know, it's, it's like, uh, as, as she was talking about, you know, that, um, that getting that feedback from like people who you admire or masters of the yeah. craft, if you will, like there's something to be said for that. And then looking yeah. at like, I, again, we couldn't see her portfolio obviously over the podcast, but looking at that thing, it was like, stunning. I mean, you look at our website and you're like, man, these are really good images. But, but then you see them printed and you're just like, Holy, like this is night and day. This is, this yeah. is art. And, well, and so, I, like, I'm, I'm kind of excited. And about I, that I, I think, I think that's important for us as photographers, because, you know, if you think about a, like a painter or a sculptor, they're inherently working with a tangible medium. Right. And so when we're talking about digital cameras, you know, we're, we're shooting and then we're putting it on, you know, take Instagram, like right. so many things go to Instagram, like Doing literally it the it's, it's like the size of your thumb. I mean, this is, it's kind of a joke. And we put it out there, and it's not to disparage it. I, I think there's a lot of connectivity and a lot of good that has come from that. But to print your work, for me, when I print my work, and like I was saying, I have these prints surrounding my workstation, to feel these prints and to see them around me, it makes me feel like an artist. And that is such a wonderful thing. Yeah. So, yeah, if, if you're out there and you haven't printed your work, like, print your work. And I don't, go to Walgreens. It doesn't matter. Like, print just put it on paper, put your work on paper and hold it and treasure it because it's monumental. Yeah, it's transitional. So in terms of how you how comfortable you feel with printing, and this this is something that David and I have been exploring for a while. How do we put together the most comprehensive print 
tutorial. For where you're at with printing, what would that tutorial look like? You know, I think um, I think that there's this weird weird bit where we we kind of have these dualistic elements where people are either very technical or very non-technical, right? It's either like, oh my gosh, I'm so driven because I'm a nerd by the numerical aspects of things, or it's like I just feel my way through it. And I think that there's there's a way to bridge that. And so I would love to see a tutorial that talks about things like monitor calibration that talks about how do we get the same color? How do we get the same tonality? How do we get the same luminosity? And that was one of the big things when I started printing my work. I'm like, I was so used to putting it out digitally onto my portfolio on my website into social media that I got my first print back and it was dark. And I didn't understand that yeah. initially. And so that was a big thing to say, wow, I need, I need two separate settings on my monitor, one for when I'm outputting to digital and one for when I'm outputting to print. So I would, I would love to see something I don't want to say hand-holding, but I would, I would love to see a tutorial that's like, this is how you take something that you see on your screen, <clears throat> and this is how you print it, and essentially how you're going to see the same thing, right? right. And I know that that's, that's a little bit vague, but literally, you know, I think um, that's a hard thing. And I think people get discouraged, because if you don't have a calibrated monitor, and if you're not aware of these things, you get a print back, and it's less than... And then inherently, as an artist, you feel less than, and it's unfortunate. And so I would love to see Pro-EDU empower all of you photographers out there with the knowledge to print your work in a way where what you're seeing on your screen is what you're seeing in your prints. And it's, it's a really substantial thing. The thing that kind of blew my mind was there's actually way more detail in the print than what you can see on the screen. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's amazing. So you don't even know what is actually there right. until you Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're, miss, you're missing most well, of the images. I, look, I, I had her website up here, was scrolling here and actually physically holding her out. portfolio at the exact same time to look at the, the exact same image. But there's more to that because like your paper choices influence or infuse more textures into the print now. Well, and and, and like sure. all of these things that you're, you're, you're kind of creating this this new masterpiece that by by selecting certain grains or not grains, mm -hmm. like you're infusing new stuff that it's all, it's almost like using a texture overlay on your image digitally, but yeah. it's physical. And well, and Cheryl amazing. talked about it. It's, you know, I shoot film still. So I shoot medium format. I shoot 35 millimeter. And, you know, she talked about the uh, resolution on a medium format camera. And I shoot like an old Mamiya RB67, which you could definitely use as a self-defense weapon. Right. You know, if it came to it, that thing is a brick. So, uh, you know, I was actually on a shoot, and there were a bunch of guys there with me who were in their early 20s, and I, I, I pressed the shutter, and they heard it, and they were like, holy shit, what was that? You know, they're like, is that okay? Exactly. And they're like, is that okay? And I'm like, no, that's the sound that this camera makes. That's, that's, that's medium format film. Um, but I get these back, right? I send these out to labs, and I, I shoot with a new Sony, um, I jump ship from Pentax to Sony, but I've I've shot digital medium format as well. But the photos that I get back when I am on my grind, so to speak, and I you know get a great shot from medium format film, it 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 blows away what I'm getting from these digital sensors. And this is this is old technology, and it's it it, it just it, it blows my mind. I don't know. It's 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 a strange thing. I have this love-hate relationship with film, so that's I something think, else entirely. I think a lot of people go through that. Yeah, absolutely. So where did you learn to shoot film? Um, Polaroid, weren't you listening? Well, God. yeah, but I mean, it was that, and it was, I, I was, I was a voracious learner. So, I mean, as a kid, going back to it, I, um, I didn't have a lot of friends. I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry on the podcast. I didn't have a lot of friends. Um, well, you do now. I do now. Lots right. of friends. Gary, David, everyone out And there. all the random people on the casino floor that you just stopped to compliment their shoes. They had really nice shoes. But, um, <laughs> uh, so I was, I was a voracious learner, and so I consumed that. You know, I went to the library, and I picked up books oh, right. on how to do this, and I, I, I found friends who had dark rooms. And so I've spent time doing that, and it was a, it was a tangible thing for me. So it was self-directed, and I think that's really important. Um... You know, uh, we we talk so much about where we want to be and how we want to be, and it, it's very cliche to say, but we live in an age, especially with art, where you know, get on 
pro edu i mean i'm this is this is a shameless plug but if you want to shoot food and beverage i mean if you want to shoot portraiture if you want to shoot fashion like whatever you want to do you have the capacity to learn that and all of that information is available and so it's just making the most of it and it's uh it's amazing i mean i mean yeah i mean we really do live in a in a unique age you know the information age is what is what we refer to it as but i mean and it's it's it is really amazing i mean imagine even 20 years ago you couldn't get uh education from the people you admire whose books you buy and things like that it just wasn't possible you couldn't plug in and and we've had this discussion multiple times like is there anybody in the world today who can truly say i'm a self-taught photographer Mm. because the most part most people get on youtube and or buy tutorials and at that point you're literally getting the best instruction in the world you're setting at the hips of masters and saying like oh like they're gonna just drop it all on me um yeah i i mean i agree like the, the 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 focus tends to fall on gear all the time especially when people are are younger in the craft or younger in the field and and then eventually you realize that the gear doesn't really matter. You can use an old film camera, or, but what really matters is is the knowledge. And, and man, we have, we have so much accessibility to to people who are so great by buying tutorials or watching YouTube videos. And I, I think that's funny too, you know, because for me it's, I don't know about you two gentlemen, but like I'm part of a lot of uh, Facebook groups no. outside of ProEDU. I love ProEDU. But outside of pro edu, um, I'm part of a lot of groups, and some of my uh, the photographs that I put out there that have been, I mean, just lauded, uh, have been shot with a Minolta SRT 101. And if you don't know what that is, that is the most basic camera you can buy. Um, there's nothing to it. I have like a 50 millimeter 1.8 on there, and it's 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 a 15 dollars setup. And, you know, I've shot these things and when I, when I'm behind a a film camera, I feel a lot more in tune with what I'm doing because I don't have the ability to just kind of spray and pray as it were. Um, And it's, it was an epiphany for me, like seeing that to say, wow, you know, like I love gear. Once again, I'm a nerd, but like, this is you are not defined by what you have access to. I guess that's what I'm saying. So yeah. if, if, if there's if there's someone out there and you're feeling, you know, limited by what you have or what you don't have, like muster up your strength and create with what you have and you can do something amazing and beautiful and significant. And that's your voice. So share your voice. And your voice is not diminished by the quality or caliber of your gear. And you don't need the newest or latest thing in order to share that. You don't. Do you want to write the first chapter of it right now, live? Walk, walk through it, me and you, of your tutorial? Is Let's do idea? it. Let's right. do it. Okay. okay. So imagine we are through the introductory or, or pre-pro videos. And it's the second section of the tutorial. And it's where we introduce photo shoots. I think it would be really cool to start with film. I love that. And a couple different, you pick up a couple different camera bodies. And we start with just the basics of how they work. Because so many photographers, including myself, really no idea how that whole process. So I'd like to explore every step in detail and kind of use that as a way to really pull out your creativity and how you view things. And we slow it down a little bit because, you know, film, there's only so many per roll. Oh. And then we really just do a couple of shoots. And then from there, we go on to digital and see, see and, what happens. And I love that. And I think that there is a very, you know, cliche mindset where it's like, oh, you should, you got to shoot film. You got to shoot film. You got to do this. You got to shoot film. You know, I don't think you have to, but I do think that shooting film, um, brings you into yourself as an artist, you know, because you have to focus literally figuratively, you know, you're sitting there and you know, you only have so many exposures and you're trying to figure it out and you're so aware of everything. You're so aware of all of these settings and there's, you know, we're not talking about 15 stops of dynamic range and we're not talking about, you know, a sensor that's this, that's, you know, hundred megapixels, whatever it is. Um, 
And I love that. Yeah, I love that idea. And I think that that, you know, shooting with film causes you to step into yourself, I think, you know, in a weird way. And it's almost like a meditation right. for creativity. And I think that all of us as artists can really benefit from that, from having to sit with our process and evaluate yeah. not only like why we're doing what we're doing, um, you know, but how we're doing it. And it's, uh, it's a big deal. I'd love that. Yeah, that sounds brilliant. What do you think about that, Dr. Parrish? I think Should it sounds amazing. I think, it'll, I think it'll be interesting to see because, uh, you know, we won't get that immediate feedback. We'll have to pop and then like, maybe cut in the developed image to show how it came out. But I think it'll be good. I think it'll be nice to see what happens in a slower mode. Well, and I think, like, to that end as well, you know, I think a lot of people get into film and it's like, oh, I need this. I need a medium format camera. I need this. I need that. Um Buy the cheapest camera that you can yeah. find. It doesn't matter. It would be really cool to actually go thrift store shopping. I would love that. Like actually find some old cameras. Yeah. Old pick school. them out. Yeah. And we're there in the store with you, very documentary style, very kind of gorilla-ish. On the go. And you're just we're just kind of like going through a landscape of like thrift stores, picking shit up. We bring it back to the studio. We get to film for it. We, we explored the different types of film. We find the right film. Load that shit in there. And just, just see what happens. We don't know if there's happens. light leaks or anything. And, We're just going to see what and happens. And I have to say, like, I have to say, like, if you have not shot film, um, getting a new camera like that or an old camera, however you want to refer to it, but, like, picking something up and putting a roll of film through it tangibly and then getting prints back, the process is so exciting. And you're literally on the edge of your seat. And when you get it back, I mean, the only way that I can really describe it is... Um, I'm a pretty dry guy. I mean, clearly, I, I don't have much of a personality. But um, <laughs> when, when, when I get these photos back, I smile. I smile. And to me, that is it's so profound. Smile. It is. It's, it's, it's important, you know, to me. And I see these photos, and they feel real. And they feel genuine. And I think that's something that we as artists um, struggle with. Like, how do we create something that's significant and that's real? And so... You know, like get out of the mindset of acquisition and get into the mindset of creation. Deep. How quickly do you think we could get these photos developed? Like in St. Louis? Is there a Imagine we're shooting in Denver, whatever, and we are filming and you go through a few rolls and we send them right out the door immediately. We keep filming. 24 hours. Oh, we can't get 60 minutes anymore? 60-minute photos? No. There's nowhere? No. There's no print labs like no. What? I don't know. I don't All know the print that. labs are on the internet nowadays. The interwebs. But the remember, interwebs. remember there used to be like little huts? Oh, yeah. In the yeah. Of a oh, yeah. yeah. I remember in Back to the Future when and it got ran over. you do it in like... There's got to be some print labs that could turn it around quickly. Oh, I'm sure. But I mean, I think that's a great point, though. Like, let's think about that. Like, the wind-up cameras that we had, right? Like... Right. One-hour delivery. These guys, we're all, we're all old fucks. It's fine. Like, speak for yourself. I'm young. Whatever. Um, you know, we had these wind-up cameras, and it was it was fun. Like you, you took this in, right? You had 36 exposures or whatever, and you did your thing, and you got them back, and you waited on pins and needles for that 60 minutes. Did like I you get were, anything? you were excited, and it was this kind of you know anticipation. And I think we've lost that a little bit um, in the digital world. And uh, it's unfortunate. I think that there is an element of photography that to me, you know, based on my story, based on my um, relationship with photography, where it's, uh, it's very significant and where it means a lot to me and where the tangible aspect of it is everything. And so I know we've talked about this and I know Cheryl, I love you. I know Cheryl talked about this a lot, but um, print your work. Print your work. I don't care how you print it. And if it's film or if it's digital, I don't care. But, like, print it and hold it. And, like, hold it close to your heart. Because what you created and what you have, what you're holding, is your singular vision. And no one else can produce that. So find some solace in the significance of your creation. And it's... uh. It's a beautiful thing to do that. So please do it. What would the title of this tutorial be? I love Gary. No, I don't think so. No? 
That's I, I've 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 toyed around with the idea of illuminating expression. Okay. Um, and I, I I love the interplay of light and shadow. Right. I think that we relate to our world through contrast, and I think that contrast um, defines everything ultimately. And um, I love the idea of being able to share with people how to express themselves. That's that is that is my greatest aspiration. I mean, we talked about aspiration earlier. Um, you know, if I can empower anyone with the ability to express who they are, what they are, their vision, their view um, of the world, of themselves, of of people, it doesn't matter. Um, so long as you're expressing yourself, I love pulling the veil back from that. So uh, yeah, illuminating expression has a lot of meaning to me. Man. Yeah, heard it here first. Title coming up. We Working of, title. We got a lot of work to do. We got a lot of work to do. All right. We also have another podcast to do. We're we do. We're on a little bit today. Yeah. All, All right. right. Well, so where can I people find you? Um, I'm on Instagram on, at Johnny Creative. And I would love to be Johnny Edward on Instagram, but there's actually someone who has no followers and no likes and no anything that has my name. And I sent him multiple messages and uh, got no response. So... If you happen to be listening out there, Johnny Edward, can I have my name back? Yeah, I want that. Give me that. I'm 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 still upset. I'm still spiteful. But you can find me on Instagram at Johnny Creative, and there's no H, so it's J O N N Y Creative. Um, or you can find me on my website at JohnnyEdward.com, which is J O N N Y E D W A R D. Um, and I would I would love to uh, connect with all of you. So drop me a note. Say hey. Say what's up. Now tell me what your favorite cocktail is. We'll we'll talk about life. Let's nice. get it. Yeah. All right. I feel like this is just the first of many. This is of many Johnny conversations. Conversations, both recorded and unrecorded, both legal and, and illegal. Yeah. But we won't get into those legal oh, issues yeah. right now. I'm flattered. Johnny, it's been a pleasure to finally meet you in person this week and uh, and excited. hang out with you extensively. Yeah. No, thank you guys. Excited to I, see where this goes. Yeah, me too going to be an amazing thing so to everyone out there um keep creating keep uh being yourself and uh yeah just stay tuned because there's a lot of great shit that's gonna happen fuck yeah all right let's get out of here huh we're out well that's all for today's podcast join us next time for more interesting discussion about the wonderful world of photography and her dark magical secrets I'm fascinated with Instagram. It's such a simple construct. Just take a picture and post it on the internet. The other day, I took a picture of my neighbor's pet rabbit. He told me not to post it, but you know, I did anyway. Wow. <laughs>